You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. If your first bet's up to $1,000, if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down all the major action, baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with the same game parlay spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Yeah, you have the Wyndham Championship coming up on August 4th in the, the next PGA event. Hey, maybe bet a futures bet on Aaron Judge. You think he's going to break the home run, home run record? He's hot right now. What is he at, 43? So that might be an interesting bet. Why not throw some bucks down on it? Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 230 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday. A little late here on Sunday. Yeah, I got recording last night with uh, Alec and Jay, and we did a, an Ice Wars 2 preview show, and the beers were flying, and, and goofiness uh, was the uh, was the flavor of the day, and uh, and after it was done, I went upstairs and completely forgot to uh, to upload this one. Um, yeah, so hope uh, <laughs> so. So bear with me. Yeah, um, as soon as I'm done, this is like. Sunday, I, I had to work this morning, and I just got home, and I'm like cutting the promo now for this, and um, and I will get this up immediately. Um, so sorry for those delayed, or for the the UK folks that are usually uh, you know at one a.m. Well, our time one a.m. But you know, right, you know, usually right in time for their commute. There's a there's an episode there for them. I apologize for the delay, folks, but uh, 
I have two two guests today, um, Ice Wars competitors, uh, James Brooks, otherwise known as the Hooligan, and Dallas Otto, who was actually the referee in the first event, has now handed in his stripes and is putting on a jersey and gloves, and he is uh, set to rumble in in uh, number two here, and. Uh, and yeah, and, and Dallas is going to be taking on uh, re- returning uh, Keegan McGraw, and James Brooks is going to be taking on the returning Corey Allen in in single bout competition. So, looking forward to seeing that. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to have them on the show and uh, you know and, and talk about their their journey through through uh, you know minor hockey and junior hockey uh, to Ice Wars, what brought them here and how they got here and uh, their backstory. So, uh, James was. Um, you know, he played in the in the Federal Hockey League, fought Chase Tippin and Chris Offenotti and all those guys. Um, and he he played for uh, five years, and then uh, and then Dallas played uh, junior B out in the in BC in the in the uh, Kootenai Junior League, and then came back and finished up his junior career in the Alberta Junior B League in Okotoks, and uh, is currently playing senior hockey in the Ranchland League with uh, the Palominos. Who I mean, it's like. I said, well, I may as well have a Palomino alumni week on the podcast. Uh, I well, and they're taking over Ice Wars. I mean, uh, Jordan Kennedy, Travis Check, uh, Dallas, and uh, Taylor McNeil, all competitors in Ice Wars too, and all members of the senior hockey team. And uh, so, I think it'll be uh, the the Palomino posse will be out all over the place at the the River Cree. And I think there should be probably a fairly large cheering section for those guys. So, um, so it was fun to have them on. I had Travis check on previously. And of course he was, uh, he, he won an ice wars, the initial, uh, contest. He had a single fight with, uh, uh, Bo Cornell and, uh, won that one by TKO. So, um, and he is now a member or he will be participating in the cruiserweight tournament. So, um, and I, I'm, well, Jay and Alec and I talk a lot about it, um, obviously on the preview show, but, I'm super excited for that cruiserweight tournament. I think this is going to be great. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm just really looking forward to the whole event. So, um, and that's, a, and that's kind of the going forward, um, as these ice wars go on. Um, yeah, I hope I, I liked, I had AJ on recently and, and a number of the competitors, Travis, and of course, Dallas now and James. And, and, uh, I just like to get the guys on and just talk about things and, uh, get their backstories. So when you're watching, you're like, oh, that's the guy that played in the federal league or whatever in Danville. And, uh, so and stuff like that, you know, gotta get you familiar with the competitors. Cause I hope everybody listening to this, um, and I understand there are some people that, you know, whatever they think Ice Wars is stupid and all that. And that's fine. That's your opinion. That's, you know, you're more than welcome to it. Um, but I, for those that are fight fans and, and enjoy it, I really hope you, you, uh, if you can't get to Edmonton, uh, it's on fight TV on pay-per-view, um, ordered it's $20, like seriously, 20 bucks, get a couple friends over, drink some beers in the basement and watch it Two up for, as Jay pointed out, you add up this, there's eight bouts and then a cruiserweight tournament. He's like, dude, that's $2 a fight legitimately, you know? And it's so you know, and I mean, in this day and age when they're fighting at a, you know, at an all time low, uh, yeah, granted it's not a hockey game, but you know, why not support it? And, uh, because the reason I also bring this up is as I was at the last one and I was sitting ringside, thank you, Curtis Swanson for the tickets. Um, you know, I was 
you know, I would film maybe an entrance or I was, I just trying to film and try to get the vibe of what was happening live. And I'd film for, you know, 20, 30 seconds. And then I, I upload it to Facebook. Well, I had a few people send me private messages and stuff and they're kind of put up the whole fight. And I just get back to them. I'm like, why don't you just buy it? Like seriously, it's $20 instead of sitting around and hoping for some pirate pirated feed or somebody's going to put it up on their YouTube channel or someone's going to record it and then you can get the link from them later. It's like, do you, do you always have to be a chiseler and like always looking for free shit all the time and whatever? Like you just can't buck up the $20. You don't have like three other friends and pay $5 each. Like, I mean, I know times are tough for some, you know, for folks right now, but I mean, seriously, like... Come on, man, you know. And second of all, going forward, I'm going to do the same thing at Ice Wars 2. I'll film and put stuff up on my Facebook Live while we're going, while it's going on and stuff. But don't expect me to put up a whole fight because I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do that to AJ. I'm not going to do that to the event. I'm not going to... I'm, I'm a bootlegger, baby. I'm not going to be Costanza filming it in the in the crowd. It's like, no, you can buy it like everyone else and support the cause. Because that's the thing. The more, the more people that pirate... The, Ice Wars 3 doesn't happen, and it's gone. You know, so, like I said, support the cause and whatever. I mean, and if you don't like the event, I mean, well, you're probably not listening to this show anyway if you don't like the Ice Wars event. And again, that's fine if you don't, whatever. I I mean, I have people that have got a hold of me and said that they don't like it, and it's stupid, and whatever. And Okay, fine. I disagree with you, but that's fine. Whatever. But, you know, for those that, for those that do watch it, I mean... You know, pay for it. Like, because I said, I'm sure there's some way out there that people have illegal streams. I'm sure there probably is, but you know, whatever. Do, do really, really, like, come on. You know, we're all grown adults here. I think we can all afford it. You know, really. So, but yeah. So don't. So for those that did out, I'm not gonna call you out because I know you listen to the show. Some of you, um, yeah. Don't bother sending me private messages. Telling me to film, well, maybe just, just film the Swanson fight or something. No, no, I'm not going to, so don't even ask. But, anyway, so Ice Wars 2 is happening uh, next week, August 6th, in Edmonton, Alberta, at the River Creek Casino. Uh, once again, like I said, Fight TV, uh, $20, order it. And uh, it is a, there's going to be a cruiserweight tournament and then eight single bouts. And of, of the eight single bouts, the main event fight is is the tournament champion from last one, Daniel Amesbury, and he is taking on Curtis Swan, Curtis Swanson in the main event, and that is going to be an awesome fight. And I, like I said in the in our preview show, I uh, we all said it that I think this will be, in our opinion, I th- I think we we think this is going to be the best fight that Ice Wars has seen to this date, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So definitely get the event, folks. You, believe me, it's uh it, it's it's great. It'll, it'll be it'll be cool, and I'm really looking forward to these two gentlemen that I got on the show. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do, and uh, it'll be fun. So I'm gonna uh, yap, stop yapping here because we go fairly lengthy with both these guys, and uh, yeah, guys. Uh, so this is uh, obviously it's a Sunday episode. Uh, on Wednesday will be the Jay and Alec from the Five for Fighting podcast. Uh, like I said, last night we recorded, but that'll be Wednesday's show and it's a preview show and we go down all the fights and whatever and give our two cents. And like I said, the beers were flying and, you know, and all that sort of fun stuff. 
you know, tried to get Swanee on the show, but we ended up with his answering machine, but <laughs> we drunk dialed him, but uh, what can you do? But uh, <laughs> no, it, it was a fun talk and uh, I always enjoy having those two jokers on the show. So that that is what's coming up. And um, I am currently, um, you probably heard, actually heard my phone bang a couple times. That is literally me trying to set up an interview for this week with a former player. And uh, that will be the Sunday episode. Because Sunday, of course, I will be in Edmonton uh, next weekend. So, But I, I still want to get an episode out for you guys. Like I always say, I'm a good teammate. I'm not going to leave the listeners hanging. Um, I will have something for you on Sunday. If I can't get a guest, I will come up with a solo episode. There will be an episode next Sunday. I'm not going to record anything while I'm at Edmonton and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm on vacation at that point, so I am not going to be. Now, if you're on social media, please follow uh, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook. Um, while I'm in Edmonton, I will be doing um, some videos, and I'm going to try to do some kind of some player stuff, some interviews with them, like just some on camera. How are you feeling? Blah, blah, you know, and whatever. And I'm going to try to corner one of the judges and kind of get their feeling on like how they judge the fight and whatever. And I'll put that on my Facebook page and upload it to social media. I'll do, I'd like to do some of that stuff. Um, but overall, after the event is done, the Sunday and Monday when we're in Edmonton, I am not going to be, um, doing like, you know, I'll be doing stuff with my wife and going out around Edmonton and seeing friends and shopping and all that. I'm, I'm not going to be podcasting in the hotel room or anything. So, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to have an episode in the can, so to speak. So that'll come out on Sunday. And then, uh, when net, the following Wednesday will be my, review of the whole deal so and I'll tell you some stories and I'm sure some shenanigans will take place or something something goofy will always seem to happen to me so I'm sure I will have that to share with you guys so that is what's on the docket here for the next couple episodes but uh yes in the meantime how about we get at it um yeah this is my these are my interviews with James Brooke and then follow that with Dallas Auto all right, guys, thanks, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. All right, here on the Fourth Line Voice, got a special guest, Ice Wars 2 competitor, James Donnie Brooks. James, how you doing today? <laughs> ah, doing good. Appreciate you having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I know we've been talking about this for a while, and uh, and I know you've now signed up for uh, Ice Wars 2 and uh, start next week. And uh, how's, how's, the, how's the training going? Oh, uh, good um a little different at 37 than uh 25 but uh it's been going well my uh my trainer mr will warfield has been pushing me uh pretty hard and we've been practicing on the synthetic so it's uh i'm excited i'm ready to go oh right on well before we get into ice war i mean we'll talk a little bit about ice wars obviously and uh, and everything but uh We'll give us a, we're gonna give the folks some background. I mean, you played in the uh, in the federal league and and that and uh, over in Sweden and everything. So um, let's get well. We, you know, we gotta start at the beginning. Where were you born and raised? Where did you play your minor hockey? Well, I'm uh, from Chicago, Illinois. I grew up here playing uh, playing you know travel hockey, double A hockey here, um, Chicago Blues, and uh, then I ended up playing playing for my high school. Uh, and, you know, went down to Springfield, played college down there in the ACHA. And then I had an opportunity to go over to Sweden. So I played a season split between, uh, junior a super elite and, uh, division two. 
which was uh, definitely an experience. I got to see the difference between living in Stockholm and uh, living in the country. <laughs> but uh, glad I went. It was, uh, it was it was something. It was definitely an experience. And uh, I came back and just kind of bounced around the uh, single-A minors uh, here and there, the AHA and the AAHL, the Federal League. Uh, I think that's it. I might have gotten an EP game in there at some point. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, I just did a bunch of single-A and, you know, battled to, to stay on the teams. Well, it's interesting because, of course, it, you know, you, you go from um, uh, American high school hockey uh, into college. Um, you know, wh- when did the whole kind of uh, – because as soon as you go to the uh, AHL and the Federal League and stuff, I mean, you're throwing down, you're fighting – when when did uh, when did the whole fighting thing take in? And because I mean, you're not fighting in in high school and in college, or in Sweden, I would think. Yeah. Uh, what happened? Were you always aggressive you know, and wanted to, or what happened there? You, a lot of it, I think, had to do with kind of where I grew up and my upbringing. Um, <clears throat> I was a northwest side of Chicago guy. It's a real Irish Polish neighborhood. Um, kids would fight all the time. I mean, there were fights every weekend. There were fights after school. It was just normal to be scrapping and uh, figured out pretty young that, you know, if I didn't want to get beat up, I had to do some beating up and uh, definitely got beat up along the way. But, you know, that's just kind of, kind of was part of my, my growing up and, uh, you know, playing hockey, put my, put me in situations where stick up for your teammates, stick up for yourself, you know, and even when, you know, growing up when we weren't allowed to fight when it was three game suspension for fight and I'd get I'd get a random one here or there because, you know, that's just what happened. Uh but I was never really like, you know, a fighter or the fighter. And uh really it didn't happen until uh until I got cut from the Chicago Blaze for being uh being a slob. I was out of shape and uh just overweight and didn't belong in the team and they snipped me and I ended up going down to Evansville and Coach, first day, Coach Collins said, uh, Brooksy, how do you feel about your, 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 your shape? I said, I don't think I'm in shape. <laughs> and he said, so what are you going to bring to the table? And I said, well, I'll fight anybody you want me to fight all season. You just, you keep me here and I'll fight whoever you want me to fight. Like win or lose, I don't care. I don't care who they are. Like you point, I'll fight. And we made a deal. <laughs> so I, uh, I stuck around that season. I, I think it was 21 fights in 24, 25 games. Uh, I learned a lot. I don't really like watching some of those videos because I feel like I've come a long way as a fighter. But, uh, you know, I learned a lot that season and kind of absorbed the role. And it just doesn't leave you. I mean, I can't I can't go to men's league and not see, you know, I see somebody on my team getting, getting the business from somebody and it's like impossible to not go out there and stick up for them. It's just like ingrained in me. So that's kind of brought me here. Well, there you go. Um, when you were... Uh... Well, you you mentioned going over to Sweden, so you played college hockey and and all that, and then you go over to Sweden. Um, what did you think of the of the of the gameplay over there? Uh, it definitely didn't suit my my place playing style. I've always been a <clears throat> like a grinder. Yeah, you know, I just want to go out there and work my bag off and muck it up in front of the nets and you know scrap if I need to scrap. But uh, you know, I've I've gotten to play just because of because of how hard I've worked. You know, not really because of the talent at any point. And, uh, over there it was a much faster game. Nobody was telling you stops and starts. It was circles and, uh, passing and finesse. And, uh, you know, obviously it was a little harder to play the body cause there's more space. Uh, but I did it. I went out there and, you know, played the American game on the big ice and, 
made some friends through it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was definitely different and it definitely didn't suit my, uh, my play style. So I just did a season and came home. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that should have been actually my first question is how did you even end up over there? Who? uh, well, my, uh, my dad was good friends with a man named Bob Krolak. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh, he did a Swedish-American exchange for kids for years where he would bring Swedish teams over here and bring American teams over there, and they'd play games against each other. Uh, and Swedish families would host the American kids, and American kids would host the Swedish kids, and American families would host the Swedish kids. And uh, my brother was part of that. <clears throat> he was actually... Uh, Swedish families with Joachim Nordstrom, who's currently playing in the NHL. Actually, I think he's going to Russia this year, but he's he's been in the NHL and was a Blackhawk for a little bit, so that was pretty cool. Um, but uh, they did that that exchange every year, and Bob asked my dad. He said, "You know, how would you like to play in Sweden?" And I took that opportunity in a heartbeat. You know, I didn't even care if I was the worst on the team. I just wanted to go. I wanted to be there and experience it. And, play hockey with Swedes and you know it was uh it was an experience that's for sure I actually I don't know if you want to hear a story about when I got there but of course uh, yeah yeah I uh you know I took 24 hours or so to get to Sweden you know I flew to uh flew to London I had like a six hour layover then I flew from London to Arlanda Sweden and then I had to take a train I think it was a train into the city or a bus into the city it was a train into the city and then another train to Orobro. And then I got I was supposed to get picked up in Orobro. So, you know, 24 hours later, I get off this, this train. I've got my hockey bag, my duffel bag, my backpack, two other bags. I probably should have never brought and my sticks. So I'm, I'm pretty much dragging everything. And I get off this, this train and, you know, the train leaves and I'm the only guy on this platform. It is pitch black like dark out there's one light on and it's like flickering and there's nobody around it's just forest everywhere <laughs> it was like every so that's the sure start of saying, every horror movie ever yeah <laughs> literally so I'm, I'm sitting here and i'm picturing myself on the globe on the complete opposite side of where i came from and i'm like what do i do if nobody comes you know like do i sleep here do i like, do i ditch my gear and start walking if i start walking which way am i going you know where's the town <laughs> there's just nothing so I sat there for about 45 minutes and I was probably starting to panic and this Mercedes pulls up with uh, these two kids in it. And this guy sticks his head out the window and goes, Brooke, Brooke. And I was like, me, that's me. So, uh, you know, they helped me load my stuff up. I got in the back and we drove 45 minutes back to Carl Skogo where I was supposed to be playing. And these guys didn't speak a lick of English. You know, they seemed like they were nice guys, but they just, they weren't, nobody in Carlsgoga really spoke English. So they brought me back and uh, they dropped me off at this youth hostel. And they were like, you go in here, you'll be fine. <laughs> so uh, they dropped me off. Uh, they told me that this guy was going to show up with, to let me in. And they drove away. So here I am at the youth hostel sitting there for about an hour. And, uh, <clears throat> Finally, this guy shows up and, uh, you know, big heavy set guy. I think his name is Leif. And uh, I, I could smell him when he got out of the car like, <laughs> 15 feet away. But he came up, he let me in, showed me this room, which was kind of strange. There was like a kid's bed that was like a train that you could sleep in. And obviously all of the outlets were Swedish 
European outlets. So I couldn't plug my phone in. I couldn't plug the computer in. I couldn't plug anything in. And there were no, no clocks. So I played solitaire on the computer till I fell asleep. Somebody was supposed to come and get me at 10 a.m. the next morning for practice. I woke up. Nobody showed up. I had no idea what time it was. I knew it was past noon because the sun was past the middle of the sky. And I just started walking. And I walked into town. And uh, it took probably two hours to to find the town. (laughs) And I ended up calling my dad. And he was like, where have you been? I've been waiting for you to call me for a long time. He made a phone call or two. They picked me up. And all of a sudden, everything was like how it should be. But, man, the trip there was something else. Um, And then I learned real quick that they don't really speak English in Karlskoga. So it was an eventful three months. I was going to say, that that first couple days, there's got to be – there's probably a few questioning – uh, what am I doing with myself here? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was something, you know, but I, I ended up getting a room at the hotel there and, uh, you know, they, they got me an apartment and, you know, everything kind of came together. Coach instituted, uh, English Mondays, which lasted as long as the coach was in the locker room. Uh, they were supposed to only speak English on Mondays in lieu of, uh, having an American on the team. <clears throat> but, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there there were a lot of really good people there, and the hockey was great. Uh, but I spent, you know, three months there, and I I remember calling my dad and saying, like, I got to come home. You know, there's nothing on TV to watch. I can't hang out with these guys because they're either working or in school. And it, it got to a point where I just didn't care if I played hockey anymore. I just wanted to come home. Um, so <clears throat> he actually got me to back to Stockholm. And when I got picked up at the train station by a family that we know over there, the dad said, you're not going home. He said, "You're gonna you're gonna skate with uh, with this team. I know they've had some people leave, and they need they need a physical player." And I said, "Okay." So uh, he got me with uh, another team in Stockholm, and uh, I finished the season there, which was uh, great because everyone spoke English in Stockholm. I mean, everybody. Um, and I made a couple of really good friends, and it was a it was a really really awesome experience living in Stockholm for three months. That's cool, man. Um, well, so yeah. Yeah, so you come back, and at this point, like, are you, like, are you throwing, like, do you want to play, like, North American Pro, or are you kind of just done and let's get on with life, or, because, like, I, I know you end up on the Chica- with the that. Chicago Blaze, but it's like, how did that all happen, and what were you thinking? So, I was done when I came home. I, was, I wasn't playing hockey anymore. I was just happy to be home. I probably gained 40 pounds the first month I was back, just going to the bar and eating Chicago food. Um, every time I'd come home from hockey and take a break, I'd gain weight because of Chicago food. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was done. And um, it wasn't until, I think, the following year, I got a phone call from my buddy who said, want to play semi-pro hockey? I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, 50 bucks a game, man. You just hop in the bus. We go, go up to Michigan. We'll play a game. They'll pay you 50 bucks. We'll come home. And I was like, sure, man, let's play hockey. Like, I didn't even care about the 50 bucks. But I'm like, let's play. So uh, turns out this was uh, like a makeshift team in the AAHA, which had four teams in it at the time, and the Detroit team had folded. So they they had – the Chicago team was trying to get into the league for the following year, and they basically agreed to finish Detroit's away schedule to not hurt the revenue for the other teams. So played 14 games, uh, found myself fighting a lot, and I can't remember how many. I probably fought eight times or nine times in those 14 games. I'd have to look at the, the sheet, but I fought a lot, and uh, the following season the Blaze turned into 
more than a makeshift team, but, you know, we had sponsors and equipment and, you know, they brought in a real coach and it was, you know, supposed to be legit, um, which it was for two months or so until they folded. And thankfully they cut me like two weeks before they folded and I deserved to be cut. I mean, I was out of shape and I was, I was a mess. So, uh, they cut me and next thing you know, I'm in, uh, uh, Evansville. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I posted, this is a funny story. They, uh, I was looking for teams to play for. I was trying to trying to play again at that time, you know, and, uh, I went on the Evansville Iceman Yuku forum and there was this thread called Evansville has no toughness. And I made a Yuku login and I commented, Chicago Blaze just released James Brooks and he has not signed anywhere. And I posted it and I left and went to the bar. And four hours later, I had a Facebook message from John Reichardt, the chief scout, asking me to call him in the morning. And in the morning, he asked me to come finish the season with them. So I ended up in Evansville and that's how I got into that season of fighting times. Well, there, why well, your your own you, agent? There you go. You're you're laid it out. And, uh, <laughs> hey, you, I thought it was hysterical that it worked. Hey, what? Hey, you got to get a gig somehow, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, that game, that year you, with Evansville, you know, twenty four games, hundred twenty three minutes. Uh, yeah, twenty tilts. Um, but before uh, you know, well, and at this point, well, I mean, I guess in Chicago, you had a couple. You had, I think, I looked it up. You had four fights in the 12 games. Um, but, okay. but this that is, it, really? but wow, well, that's all they had listed. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Right. But I mean, okay. Um, yeah, right. yeah, they, you probably had more than that. Cause probably trying to find box scores from that league would have been tough. Um, when they fold. Yeah. I don't stuff. know if it all went up. Cause I mean, I can, I, I can probably list off six or seven right now without, without yeah. really thinking about it, but whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, um, this is this would sort of be your first time, kind of. Well, I guess, like you said, on street streets, one thing, but you're, this is sort of your first time, I guess. Whatever for lack of being the enforcer, I guess for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah. I mean, and did you? Um, how did you take to it? Like, do, was it sort of like? I mean, I know in Evansville, you kind of made the deal with the coach, like, all right, I'll stay, I'll fight. But right. like, was your heart into it though? Like, were you like? okay, I guess, or um, were you kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, hell I yeah, think, let's do this, you know? My heart was definitely in it. I mean, I had I had some good buddies on the team, and, you know, I really liked being there, you know, but uh, there's definitely something to say about sitting on the bench all game and then getting the pat on the butt to go out and fight a guy who's been playing a regular shift and sweating, and yeah. I can watch videos and I can see the difference in my fights in the fights where, there was some anger behind it or somebody did something, you know, extra egregious or it was more than just like, you know, coach told me to go fight that guy or I have to go fight that guy for nothing, you know, stuff like that. Um, and as I played more, I, you know, I got better and I kind of earned that ice time and it was much, I definitely like getting into it in the play and, you know, being part of the game as opposed to just, you know, you get comfortable sitting on the bench and in the middle of the third period, you haven't seen a shift and you're just sitting there. Like you're comfortable, you know, you're, you're relaxing. And then all of a sudden you got to go scrap and it's like, you gotta, you know, you kind of got to get yourself going to that. Um, but you know, it was my role and I, you know, the, the guys respected me for it and you know, they were, they were good to me because of it. So I just felt like I owed it to them to scrap whenever I needed to scrap, you know? Yeah, and well, we ended up winning the championship that year, so I got a ring for for those fights. So yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, did, uh, did they didn't stiff you on the ring though? Did they? Did you get one? 
I got a ring, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And and honestly, before the before the playoffs started, and I kind of heard this like through the grapevine, but they had like a coaches and captains meeting before the playoffs about like you know do we keep Brooks because you know a lot of times they gas the fighter right before the playoffs and you know bring in a skill guy and you know try to make that run. But uh, I guess the captains were all like, no, he's fought too many times. He deserves to be here. Like you know, you know, I was there for it and I got a ring for it and you know I got. Got a bunch of buddies that I'm sure when this is over we got a night we got a, we still have a chat with all the Evansville guys on Facebook so I'm sure when when you post this I'll I'll be sharing the link with them so <laughs> what's up boys <laughs> oh that's, that no that's awesome man and uh, well like I mean I mean we'll talk about some of the fights I mean uh, well speaking of ice wars uh, Chase Tippin I you fought him four times yeah. that year um, what yeah. was it like what was it fight what was it like fighting old uh, Chase Tippin Ah, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been in a few before I saw him the first time. And, uh, when I got to the rink and everybody on the way up there, everybody's like, Oh, you know, you got to fight tip. And like, you fought everybody else. You have to fight tip now, you know? And I'm like, who the fuck is tipping? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know who this guy is. And they're like, Oh, you'll, you'll know. So, you know, we get out there and it's obvious in the warmups, you know, who tip is. He's bigger than everybody, big bear. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I went up and stretched next to him and I told him, I said, Hey, I, uh, heard you're the guy to go with and he laughed and i was like you uh you gonna give me a shot at the title and he's like yeah sure we'll see how the game goes and uh, we'll pick a time and uh I said all right and had my warm-up and then uh we were coming out at the beginning of the second and both teams were kind of i think we were waiting for the zam to get off or we were at the door early and uh kind of made eye contact and you know nodded to it and then we i think we chatted at the red line for a second but we agreed we were just going to go off the opening face off to the second so uh we did and uh he definitely won (laughs) but he didn't really connect with anything like none of his punches were like really got me and when i watched the video i mean he clearly beat me and um i still had a lot to learn at that time about fighting big dudes and you know really fighting um but in the in the moment i didn't feel like I really got beat up. So we're, we're headed back to the box and I'm already asking him for, for another go. And he's looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> so, uh, he's like, yeah, I, I, all right, I guess, you know, so third period and it was like five and a half minutes to go. I know there was more than five minutes to go. Cause he chirped me for not waiting till under the five minute mark, <laughs> but I asked him to go again and we dropped him, and I had it in my mind that I was just going to go shot for shot with him. You know, I wasn't even going to like play defense. I was just going to throw and that turned out to be a really bad idea because I think he caught me with like the first punch, like square in the face and just exploded my nose. Um, but I hung on and tried to keep going and he ended up landing two more uppers in my nose before, uh, before we called it quits. <laughs> and I was, I was leaking everywhere. I mean, it was, uh, it was bad, but, uh, yeah, we did, did the two that game and then, uh, we played each other twice again that season and I went, went both of those times each time got a little better, but, uh, you know, he, he got me all four times. So maybe we'll, we'll get another shot at, uh, ice horse three or ice horse four. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You never know. Uh, well, another name. And yeah. of course he, he was around the, he's been around the federal league for a while and bounced around and, uh, uh Chris Affinati. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think you yeah, have... Affy's a Chicago guy. He's a good friend of mine. I'm, uh, you know, I, I really like Affy, but, uh, he's running one of the training centers over here. Uh, actually where, where my old high school team was at. And, uh, man, what a warrior 
He's, uh, I, yeah. I would say Chris Safinati's the toughest man I know. And not necessarily because he can just, because he gives it, but I mean, he can just take it all day. And, and I know because I've punched him square in the forehead, like as hard as I possibly can. And he's just, he just keeps coming at you. So, you know, um, but not just a, not just a tough guy, but just a great dude. I mean, one of the only guys you'll see wearing a C and consistently fighting, you know, locker room guy there for his teammates. I mean, the, you really can't say any, anything more, you know, anything better about Chris than just who he was in the locker room and who he was to his teammates, you know? No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, as we're sitting here talking about, I, I mean, I, I gotta get that guy in the show. Why haven't I gotten him on the show? Oh yet? yeah. hundred percent. What am I doing? He, yeah. Um, yeah, get, get him on. I'm sure he can tell you some stories. He's got a heck of a resume. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, like you said, you're you know you're, you guys win it that year, and <laughs> but once again, I mean, you know, Madison folds, the Blaze fold, the Detroit team folds, um, yeah. uh, Western Michigan. Um, are you kind of like at this point, like, I mean, you're winning and you win the champion, but are you sort of like, what what are we doing here? Like, uh, did, or did you have any designs on like maybe trying out in the, like the Southern Pro League or or going anywhere else, or were you just, just sort of like to... happy where you were? You know, when I was in Evansville, I got there and uh, I was heavy. I was out of shape. And a couple of the guys on the team were like, dude, what are you eating? Like, like you got to change this up, you know? And so I learned a lot about diet and, you know, how to take care of myself. And I lost like, I think I lost like 40 pounds from December to, to March or, yeah, I mean, it was, it was real quick. It was like, it's like four and a half months and I lost like 40 pounds. Um, just dieting and following the instruction of some of the guys on my team and I got a lot better I mean by the end of the season I I was good enough to play a regular shift with them I didn't because other guys had earned it first but you know and I understood that and I was fine with that but I got to a point where when they threw me out there I wasn't a liability and you know it was to the point where I'd get a shift in the second and I'd go out there you know balls to the wall uh, more energy than anybody else. And then the fans would be like, why don't they play Brooks more? He's got so much energy, not realizing it's because I, you know, I played one shift. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I got better and I got to a point where like, I wanted to play hockey. So my mindset after Evansville was, what am I going to do next year? Where am I going to go play? Like, I want to, I want to get to a point where I'm playing a regular shift and where I'm, I'm putting up points. You know, that's, that's what I wanted. I didn't want to just be, sitting on the bench and scrapping because I, you know, how many years can you do that? I mean, some of these guys who do it in the LNH for 10 years, I mean, all the, all the respect in the world, but I don't know if my body would, would hold up to that, you know? So, um, yeah, I just wanted to get on, get on another team the next year or, or wherever and just be, you know, more of an asset to the team than just throwing punches. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, unfortunately, the, like the Evansville team, I would assume, folded the next, that year after you won. And then... they actually they went up to the the Central League the following oh, right. the following year. I think they either did one or two in Central and then went to the coast, and then they moved down to Florida. So yeah. now they're the uh, Jacksonville Icemen, but uh, they didn't invite anybody back to camp. Uh, you know, actually, I think they invited one of our guys back to camp, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't just an open invite to the you know, the team that won the championship to come back and try out for the central team, um, and I wasn't one of the guys who got got the invite. So I knew I was out of Evansville you know, maybe a month or two after the season ended. I knew I was finding uh, finding another place, or I was done playing hockey. Yeah, and I mean, and you, you know, you played in Queen City for a bit for the three games, and then uh, Michigan yep. and whatever, and then it's, that, that's it. I mean, it's you it has it you has you listed to play in just four games that year. Was that sort of 
that was the end of it? Well, I was in Cincy for, I think I was in Cincinnati for two months. Um, it was a really bad situation. I'm, I'm not going to go naming names and trashing people, but the guy who was running that was just, he was not good for it. And there was payment promises and then not payment promises. And then, Hey, if you drive, you know, six guys to the game tomorrow, cause the bus isn't here, we'll reimburse you this much for gas. And then I think he gave me a bag of quarters or something. I mean, it was just a, just a mess and the payment wasn't coming like it was supposed to. And I just had to get out of there. Um, I think I just left, honestly, I can't, I remember there being, being drama and I think I just left because they weren't paying and, uh, the coach was great. Uh, we had Dwayne Zinger as a coach and he was, he was solid. Uh, and a lot of guys I'd played with that, you know, I really liked, but I just couldn't, couldn't be there and play for free. You know, like my parents weren't sending me a million dollars every week to, to get by, you know, they, they've always supported me, but you know, it wasn't just like an open checkbook, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I had to get out of there. And at the time I was living in, in Evansville. And so I went back home to Evansville and was there for a little bit and decided to come home. And at that point I said, like, if I'm going to keep playing hockey, I got to get in shape. I got to like dedicate to this and I got to decide like, this is it. So I got it in my head that, that the following season would be, you know, my last like real push at playing hockey. And, uh, I dropped, I dropped so much weight. I got down to like 210 or 205 and I was in like really good shape. Uh, went out to Vermont and did Vermont tryouts out there. And, uh, all the guys went out and partied the night before tryouts and I just stayed home and slept. So I got up the next morning and I was, I was flying out there compared to everybody else. And the guys were giving me compliments and stuff. So, um, I actually, our, our coach in Vermont told me he didn't want me to do as much fighting. He wanted me to play third line center and learn the defensive center role and make that what I pride myself in, uh, and just get into scraps when, you know, when they're needed. Cause we had, we had Tony Pisano on the team and Morgan James and they were both six, five, six, six, like, you know, 250 pounds of meat. So, you know, I didn't have to go out there and settle any scores. We had, you know, real, uh, giants to do that. So, um, but yeah. And then I'm, that year I bounced around from Vermont to thousand Island cause Vermont folded. And then, uh, 20 games in thousand Island, I think, or 21 games. Yep. And they traded me to Danville, and then I finished up in Danville with like 10 games or so there. Did um, but, uh, it was well, a, it was and an of course, year. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and this is the first year of, of what they call the Federal Hockey League. Um, did you notice any difference between the Federal League and the All American League that you had come or that had switched over? I mean, I guess yeah, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. But was there any noticeable difference? The Fed seemed more put together. Uh, there were more teams and it just, uh, it just had more of a legit feel to it. But I think with all the single A leagues and, you know, I think probably the, the Southern pros, the exception, but with all those single A leagues that I played in and the, the ones that were around just before, and, you know, at the same time as me, it, it's just a crapshoot where you're at, you know, you, you go to Evansville and I mean, they took really good care of us. We had a locker room, you know, we had decent housing. I mean, you know, they, they took care of us. Uh, then we'd show up in Battle Creek and find out that the guys hadn't been paid, that there's three guys in a room. And, you know, we'd hear these horror stories about some of these other, other towns where that's just not how it was happening. So single A to me has always been like, well, where are you? <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's what the experience is like, you know? And I think when you, when you make that step to double A, it kind of, kind of evens out where, you know, there's like a, uh, the floor to what everything's like, you know, it's not going to get worse than, than this, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, well, it's so, not like when the paychecks come out, it's a gumball rally to the bank, right? The first guys there get paid, <laughs> the last guys don't, and, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah you, exactly. <laughs> yeah, did you ever have any, I mean, you had to have had some, like, bus stories where... Yeah, I spent New Year's in a gas station with the Iceman because uh, the bus broke down. <laughs> oh, good times. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, they, they they were checking the gas with a broomstick. <laughs> we had this bus driver. He, uh, <laughs> we were leaving for a road, um, and he you know he took us to the other side of town, and nobody knew where we were going because it wasn't it wasn't the the right route. And we ended up in this sketchy neighborhood and he parks on the, the street and he gets out and we're all watching him. And he, he walks like a block down the road and then he makes a left. And because of the, the way the houses were, when he walked down that block to the left, you could see him like behind the houses. And he goes into this house that I can only imagine what they were doing in this house. I mean, it was just run down and just beat up as could possibly be. And he's in there for like 10 minutes and, you know, he comes out and he looks both ways and he's got his hands in his pockets. I'm like, oh my God, like what is happening right now? I'm supposed to be playing pro hockey right now, you know? And uh, he came back and drove us to West Michigan. (laughs) So never found out exactly what he was doing. But uh, yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some definitely some, uh, some bus trips. That's for sure. Yeah. So you want to be a hockey player, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. We when I was in Vermont, we broke down in Danbury, uh, about a mile from the rink, and we broke down because we went down a hill, and the hill was too steep that where when the the bus went to go straight, it out the front of the bus and the back of the bus were on pavement and the wheels were in the middle, so we had to climb out the emergency window and carry our bags a mile to the rink to play the game the entire time hearing from Danbury that they weren't going to push the game time. <laughs> so that was something walking through a really sketchy neighborhood in Danbury with our hockey bags as a team. But you know, it's, it's all part of the, the single a life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of the single a life, I mean, uh, what I, before we're done here, uh, your first year, in the federal league, like you said, with the Vermont and Thousand Island, Danville and, uh, one of the one of the names that kept coming up on your fight card was uh, legendary, and he played a long time in the Quebec League. Uh, was Paul Chance? You guys seem to find each other quite a few times. <laughs> yeah, uh, he hated me. Um, I I don't even know what to say. You know, he uh, it started with a. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy. He was the first liner on their team, uh, Deschalais, maybe. But he skated by the bench and had some words for us, and I had some words back. And then he called me out, and he said, you want to go? And naturally, I was the 10th forward in Thousand Island. He was a first-line center, so I jumped right out there. You know, even if I get beat up, it's good for our team. We both go to the box five minutes, you know. They're down line one center. So I went out to go, and, I mean, almost immediately I got – Cardagene poking me with his stick, asking me what I'm doing, and chances coming after me, and I'm like, I don't even know who these guys are at the time. I'm just like, you know, I had heard a story or two, but realistically, like, I didn't know anything. And uh, I'm like, what? He asked me to fight. I said, okay. Like, you know, but that was enough, and every single time we played them, Chance followed me around, hooking me, cross-checking me. He dumped me from behind and pushed my helmet off, and uh, 
you know, I, and I, I kept telling him like, I'll go you, man. Like, let's just square up off a of face off. Like, let me play some hockey. And if we're going to fight, let's fight. Which, I mean, he was like locked on to me every game, all game. <laughs> so we had two actual fights and then two other ones that I think were listed as fights, but were more of a like wrestling match or, you know, a tie up where we ended up not really throwing punches. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the guy's got more fights than anybody else. At least he did when I was playing. And uh, that's probably my, my biggest name on my fight card is, is, is probably him. But, uh, man, I mean, that guy just, he hated me. <laughs> um, following that year in the Fed, was it sort of just, uh, I know you played the the one game there in Pennsylvania with the Blues. And, I mean, at that point, was it just, you know, I got to get on with my life here and enough is enough? Yeah, I think that game was, I played for them in Danville because uh, it was a couple hours away and they were, uh, I think they were just filling a folded team schedule and I was just played a game for that. But yeah, I mean, after that, uh, when the season ended in Danville, um, you know, Matt McElvain was the coach. He was talking, talking me up about plans for the summer and double a camp in the fall and things like that. And, um, I really wanted to, I wanted to go back and I wanted to do that. Um, but I went home and, you know, I had to work and I worked a lot and gained 30 pounds or so. And then I actually met my wife uh, that summer and it just kind of like, you know, by the time it was time for camp, I wasn't going back to camp any less than the guy I was leaving Danville. You know, I'd already done that. I'd already proven myself to people and, you know, just gotten better at hockey that I wasn't going to go back and be the out of shape guy again, who was just scrapping, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't in the card. So I stayed home. I kept working and, started making babies <laughs> so here we are i got four of them now and uh you know they're uh they're they're my life now well it's, i mean and, and you're and you're coaching hockey and stuff too right yeah i'm, uh, I'm the hockey director for a combined high school program uh just north of where i live and uh we i took that program over a couple of years ago with 14 kids and we've grown it to it's projecting to be about 50 this year so we're gonna have a varsity and two jv teams and uh you know, that's been going really well. And then I'm um, also going to be coaching a peewee team with another club. So it's going to be full-time hockey this year. Um, but that's, you know, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be. It's, uh, I don't know, it's in me. So, Well, you, you got the bug, right? Yeah, so, I mean, but that's cool, man. I mean, you're growing the program there. And, uh, you know, and you got to, uh, I mean, at, you know, at the end of the day, you played some, you know, played pro hockey. You got to see Sweden. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really liking the the this this uh, high school coaching gig. You know, we're really getting to help these kids move on and go to college, and you know, find their their career paths and you know, be supportive of that. And our program's more than just like, hey, we're going to make your your kid a better hockey player. Like, we want them to leave having all those values that we got growing up playing hockey and, you know, learning things like accountability and responsibility and teamwork. And, you know, we'll have like life lesson day through the year. We teach the kids how to tie a tie and, you know, other stuff like that. So that the parents see like, we don't just care about like your kid, you know, coming here and scoring goals so that we win the season. But, you know, we want to see them come back in five, 10 years and be successful human beings. Cause at the end of the day, most of these kids are not going to the NHL and they got to take more from hockey than just their, you know, a better slap shot or a better wrist shot or something like that. You know, they got to come out of the, come out of the sport with things that are going to help them as adults and in, in real life. So that's been kind of our big focus and um, our push. And it's been nice the last couple of years being able to see these kids go off and play at the colleges that they want to and stuff like that. So, 
Well, hey, no, you're, that's that's awesome, man. And uh, I mean, you're giving back, and uh, sounds like you're really growing it there. And uh, yeah, no, I completely agree with your with your statement there and your mission statement. And no, that's cool. Um, but well, thank you. Here we go. <laughs> we got to get into the last bit yeah. here, of course. Uh, yep. August sixth. Uh, in Edmonton, Alberta, on, on Fight TV pay per view. Everybody tune in, 20 bucks, get your friends. Uh, James Brooke is r- rolling in and, uh, and you've signed up for Ice Wars too. Uh, wh- what, uh, what sort of led you to, uh, to deciding to go into this? Uh, well, uh, you know, Dan Ainsbury has been a buddy of mine since we played together in Vermont and he tried to recruit me a year or so ago, um, when they were just getting this started and, I didn't really know much about it. I hadn't heard about incentives or, you know, stuff that covered costs and things like that. And, uh, you know, to me it was, Hey, come fight the toughest guys you can find for nothing super far away in Canada. (laughs) So I opted out. You know, I didn't think that was something that I was going to fly with the family and the wife and the schedule and all that. Uh, but when I saw the, uh, the fight cards come out for ice wars one, and I started YouTubing the guys, and I knew some of them, and I'm like, man, I really should have done this. So I actually talked to talked to Ames, and he uh, told me somebody had dropped out, and they were trying to fill the spot. And I was instantly like, I want it. But at the time, I didn't have a passport, and that it wasn't getting on in five days and then getting there. Uh, but since then, I've been training, and you know, I blew up AJ and, and everybody else. Just like, get me in. I'll fight whatever whatever weight class you want me to fight at. I'll get there. Just you know, tell me who I'm fighting, tell me where, tell me when. And I've just been pushing myself every day since then to drop a few pounds and uh, get my cardio going. Obviously, the cardio is real important. So, you know, that's that's really what I've been working on. And uh, I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I got a bunch of bunch of friends here excited. Uh, I got a, got a bar near my house, like our, our hometown bar, uh, Jeff's Public House is hosting our uh, – watch party so they're gonna have a drink special and hopefully we'll pack that place with, with buddies and uh we can kind of bring this ice horse thing to popularity in chicago no absolutely and i mean uh i mean whatever we're a week out i mean by the time this comes out i'm sure it'll be released so i mean you know we're we can we can say it but i mean you're yeah. fighting Corey allen is your bout that you're having and of course he fought in the first yeah. one so i mean you you obviously have the uh I don't want to see the advantage, but you get to, you did get to see him perform in the first one. Yep. Um, are you kind of happy that it's a single bout, or were you kind of like, did you want to do the tournament thing, or are you happy just with the single fight? Uh, I definitely would have liked to do the tournament. Uh, I don't think I could have cut to 205, so that's kind of why I didn't, I didn't even push for that. Uh, it'd be nice to be fighting for, you know, for a championship or a crown. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll be in the next one or the next one where my weight class suits. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I'm excited to go and do, do the one fight and kind of take it all in and hang out with some guys I haven't seen in years and, you know, meet some other guys. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's probably good, you know, two months of training, one fight. I, I would have done more. I told AJ if anybody backs out, you know, last minute and he needs to throw somebody in for a second one, I would do it. But uh, you know, I'm I'm an optimist and I'm I'm happy to be going and happy to be a part of it. And I think this is, you know, that's a new sport that's gonna be just keep growing in popularity. So, you know, my my hope is that I'll uh I'll be fighting before uh Keegan McGraw because I'd uh like to be the first American with an Ice Wars win. So that's been my motivation and uh 
just keep thinking about in 20 years when this thing's you know huge like like UFC is now that uh, I'll be able to say I was uh, I was the first guy who got the first American to get a, a win at Ice Wars. So that's been my motivation. Now we just got to get there. Hey, there we go. Um, have Have you had a chance to um, have to? I mean, I already know the answer, but for for the listeners, have you uh, had a chance to work on the synthetic? And what do you think of it? Yeah, actually, uh, BTE training out at the Gurney Mills Mall, just north of uh, Chicago here, uh, was gracious enough to give me the ice, uh, you know, almost whenever I need it to train. And it's, uh, I don't like skating on the synthetic, fighting on the synthetic's a little bit easier, but it's been great getting out there and just like practicing on it and getting adjusted to it. And, uh, I'm sure there'll be a little adjustment, uh, when I go to Edmonton because, you know, none of them are identical. Um, but just being able to get on it and train on it, uh, and having the support from them has been great. So, um, I was going to ask you, like, even with your hockey and stuff, did you ever take any boxing or anything growing up? Uh, you know, I did, uh, I did a two months of MMA before my second year of college just to get myself back in shape. Uh, but nothing, you know, I didn't fight and do anything, you know, serious with it. It was more just for the training. Uh, and then back in 2012, maybe, uh, before I went off to Vermont, there was this thing called the bartenders brawl. So they were going around trying to get bartenders in the city to fight in a, what, they what was a kickboxing match so i uh i signed up for that and i actually got a buddy of mine who called them and requested to fight me so him and i went and had a fight and uh i i was lucky enough to go go one and oh on my my uh amateur kickboxing record <laughs> so um yeah no it was fun we had like 100 friends come and watch and uh we're both not kickboxers and we did our training on our own. So when we got there and they were like laying it all down, all these guys had been going to training with them, but we'd been training together. So um, they said, you have to throw four kicks per round or you're disqualified. And, you know, cause we looked at each other. We're like, oh, we just won't kick. We'll just box, you know, we'll just agree to that. No kicks. And they were like, you have to kick. If you don't kick, you're disqualified. So we're like, all right, beginning of the fight, we'll just, you know, we'll just do like four like fake kicks at each other, you know, and then we'll fight because we hadn't trained for kickboxing, you know, at all. <laughs> so, um, so we get out there and we line up and he comes in and he throws a kick and he kicks me square in the nuts. <laughs> so, you know, I boom, like five, I mean like three seconds in, I hit, I just hit the ground and, you know, I look up and I mean, I, I mean, he kicked me like right in the nuts so I'm on the ground, like, uh, you know, and I look up and all my friends are at like eye level cause they're, you know, not in the ring and they're just screaming at me, get up, you pussy. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, uh, you know, so they tell me you got five minutes, you know, I took my time and then I got up and we squared back up and I came in and I went to throw my kick and completely unintentionally kicked him right in the balls. So he went down <laughs> and he spent his time on the ground and everybody was screaming at him to get up. And uh, we ended up uh, not throwing any more kicks the rest of the fight, and they didn't disqualify us. So <laughs> I think they figured it was just better to let us just box it out. But, you know, we had a good fight. He beat up my ribs. I got a few more headshots in than, uh, than he did, and I got, the, I got the decision. So it was uh, that was that was my only real boxing or anything like that kind of Well, story, I just laughed because you know, they like do a, I grew up. A bartender brawl, you'd think they would just make it a tough man boxing contest. Why all of a sudden are we throwing kickboxing into this? Like, I don't know. I, 
I think it had to do with the the sanction. I think it, that was the sanction they could get, like something about the kickboxing and wearing the the pads that you had to wear on the shins, and it was uh, it, it something about what allowed them to to have it happen. And and because I felt the same thing, I'm like, well, kickbox? Like who kicks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't kick. I I just laughed that you just signed yourself up for these things. This is a, you know. So you've been in the bartender's you know, brawl, and we're going to take it to Ice Wars Two in Edmonton now. And I, hey, man, it I, just seemed like the appropriate thing to do. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in this, and I I can't. Well, yeah, and I mean, and I'm only two months into like really getting ready for this. Which uh, I mean, I'm going to be fine August sixth, but I'm excited for like next June or July um, after spending six or seven months preparing. You know, because that's it'll be a whole nother level at that point. So yeah, I was going to ask you like, win, win, like I wouldn't like to be, well, I was going to say like win, lose or draw. I mean, this isn't just that one off thing and whatever, like you want to obviously by no. the sounds of it, like continue I'm, train and like, I'm going to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many years I'll do it for, you know, like I said, I'm, you know, I'll be 37 here in a few weeks and uh, you know, who knows when it'll be time to call it quits. Um, but I definitely want to do it again, and I definitely want to do it a few times and have a few opponents, and uh, you know, at least make a splash before like, before I hang them up. So, if we can keep making it work and uh, you know keep getting support like I've gotten this time from sponsors and things like that, then we'll keep doing it. So, yeah, you, I, I saw that. I mean, you guys have been putting out the sponsor. You got a few sponsors. Yeah, no, I've I've had some uh, some people reach out to me. Uh, you know, a buddy buddy of mine uh, that I grew up with has a. Uh, shipping company that he gave me the uh, his his uh, sponsorship. He gave me some money, and I'm gonna have his logo all over all over my pants. And uh, another buddy of mine does uh, um, like mental training for athletes and video training for hockey players. Uh, his company is Deceptive Hockey, so he he sponsored me. And uh, you know uh, my old boss and his restaurants. I mean, a lot of people have come in to 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 support me. You know, so it's it's pretty cool. That's excellent. No, it's always great to have the support. And, uh, well, man, hey, I dig the enthusiasm. I love it. Uh, you know, coming out 37 years old, let's give her a shot. And, uh, I look forward to meeting yeah. you down in Edmonton and, uh, and, uh, you know, um, good luck to you, man. I, yeah, I look I forward to seeing I, it. I appreciate you having me on. It's an, yeah, it's an honor. Thank you. All right. Well, and, uh, yeah, uh, with that, folks, there we go. James Brooks, tune in August 6th. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, hopefully I didn't talk too much. <laughs> All right, here on the Fourth Line Voice, special special guest, uh, Ice Wars 2 competitor, Dallas Auto. Dallas, how are you doing today? Not so bad. How are you? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for coming on. And uh, and for those wondering, uh, Dallas was actually in the first one, but he was the referee for the first one. And now you've uh, you you've, you got rid of the stripes and you're putting on the gloves. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How's how's the uh, well? Before we get into the whole ice force thing, let's give the the folks some background, and uh, we'll kind of talk about your uh, your playing days, and then we'll get into ice wars. But uh, where well you know got to go at the beginning where were you uh where were you born and raised and where did you play your minor hockey oh i've i've lived all over the place um i was born in edmonton but probably played the most defining years of my hockey career uh like a bounce all around alberta with my 
my parents work and things like that. And, uh, but the, I'd say the most defining, uh, parts of my minor hockey were definitely in, um, Oak Tokes and, uh, at Calgary area. Now, and then, uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. So, Go ahead. The, oh, no worries. Yeah. And then, so then moved to Kelowna and did my thing out there and kind of ended up coming back to God's country, I'd say. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, you played your minor hockey and the and AAA and stuff in, in Alberta. Um, were you always sort of, uh, did you, did you sort of lean to the, the physical side of hockey? Were you always kind of an aggressive kid? Oh yeah. Always. Uh, <laughs> it, that was just the way, things panned out for me it, it it never hockey never came easy to me like I watch these little kids now that's skating and the, the things they can do with the puck is just incredible and that really like I had to work very hard just to be able to skate at a triple a level and things like that and uh the size came naturally to me um I was always a bigger kid uh growing up much bigger and then everybody kind of caught up a little bit as we got into the midget years and stuff, but still I'd say bigger, bigger than most hockey players at least. And, um, so yeah, I, I used that to my advantage and had a bit of a aggra- bit of an aggressive side. And, uh, I always like, I always liked the role of, uh, kind of a do it all third fourth liner guy that I think is that those guys are the backbone of a team that will, they'll die for their teammates, things like they'll, block shots, things like that. That's always what I wanted to be a part of, and I just love being a part of it, the, the team. So uh, the skill never came easy to me, and uh, but the physicality definitely did. Yeah, well, it's like you might not be able to score, but you can always hit somebody, right? So it's like... Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, like you, <laughs> said, like you said, you, you head out to uh, BC, did you, uh, and you played in the in the... I always want to call it the Rocky Mountain League, but the Kootenai KI Junior League, yeah. uh, Junior B. And um, did you did you try out for any uh, BCHL teams? Oh yeah, I did the whole BCHL WHL stint. Uh, yeah. Try, trying out and going all over the place, spring camps, and really like, like I, I mean, all I wanted to do was be a hockey player. So I really, yeah. I really gave it my all. It'd be weekend after weekend during during hockey season and things like that and stuff and uh it just never i got looks but it never panned out for me i never seemed to be quite up the level that the bchl i was more leaning towards the skill league and uh like they still had very tough big guys but they could also play hockey and um like i could play hockey but never it seemed quite to the the level that they wanted and that's just life so my next best bet was the KI and uh, I had a great time uh, there I spent my time in Kamloops and um, yeah I loved it I had a great coach Ed Patterson and he was a tough guy back in the day too and yeah. uh, he kind of yeah. he kind of seemed to notice me and, and recognize what I was useful for and I had a, a leadership skills that I Real that he was able to really bring out of me and things like that, and uh, yeah, I, I had a great time in Kamloops. It, it was one of the best times of my life, I'd say, playing hockey there. Well, when you when you went to the the, the WHL camps and, and and the B and the BC camps, were you um, like you said, you're you're obviously kind of okay, but maybe speed wise, I can't keep up or whatever. But was it like, did you make a conscious decision, like okay? 
I'm going to try to fight my way on? Like, did you do that? I tried, or... I tried, I tried to fight the everything that moved at these camps. Like, I probably looked like an idiot, a fucking idiot, honestly, running around like a chicken with his head cut off. But, uh, I mean, I, and I knew, <laughs> I, I knew, I just, my whole game plan was just find the team that's like, okay, this guy is willing to die out there for his team. He'll give everything. And, uh, and, and I, so I, yeah, I was fighting every every whl camp i went to and bchl camp i had to have a good fight and and i had to leave an impact somehow because it wasn't going to be on the score sheet so had to you got to stand out right and yeah he was always trying to get in a fight yeah did uh what what uh what um did well did in terms of camps did you get into a couple fights did you fight any name guys um like like guys on the team yeah, yeah, like in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. There's a guy that stands out, called, uh, Colton Carpenter. When I was in Prince George, he uh, he was kind of a name guy. Uh, I had a really good fight against him. Um, but honestly, at at those camps, uh, even their tough guys, like lots of times their coaches, uh, they they would want to look after their guys right so they'd say no fighting no breaking hands in camp things like that and so i'd ask and ask and ask and i know uh i was in calgary canucks camp and they had a tough guy zach mcneil um and he just said like i would man like i see what you're trying to do but i i can't like i'm i'm going to get cut if i get in a fight and that's the that's the way it was for sort of tough guys in these camps is even if you're on the team you're almost dispensable so it's like the that's just the way hockey is kind of taking a turn to um i was gonna say dallas you were you were bored you were bored 15 years too late Uh, that yeah that's what i've been uh that's what i've been told i guess if you played (laughs) in the 90s you'd have a field day yeah 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 yeah. too bad but uh, (laughs) that's just the way the cookie crumbles (laughs) Well, when you got out to Kamloops and you're in the KI with with uh, with Cam with the storm, um, how how was your experience in the league overall? And uh, was that had they gone to because that they've gone to full cages in that league now, haven't they? Yeah, I I never played junior anywhere with full cages. When yeah. when they did that, uh, when they did that, I actually moved to Alberta to play junior B in Alberta because I would never be able to play i couldn't play in a cage again i hate it i i hated it in minor hockey i didn't i've had more i've had more head injuries and facial injuries from a fucking cage than wearing a visor my whole life well knock that, on wood but uh, yeah anyway. well that's funny because that's that's where i was going with the question because i'm looking at your timeline and i'm like i know they put cages in and it's all of a sudden he's he's telling me how much he likes cam loot, but next thing i know he's in back in Alberta. So I'm thinking something <laughs> happened there, but okay. Yeah. Uh, um, in terms of the, in the fighting in the, well, cause 36 games, hundred minutes, 44 games, 119 minutes. I mean, so, you know, you're, you're staying, staying busy. Um, in, in terms of the KI, was it, was it pretty easy to find a fight? It, it all depended. Uh, for the most part, my time in the KI or still every team had a good tough guy that would want to go. Yeah. Towards the end, and I've and I've totally watched it. Like it's it's it was. It's, I've been in a kind of a crazy position my career because the KI like Trav's time was super tough guys, unlimited fights every night, things like that. And 
it's tapered off and tapered off until now uh it's like midget it's like watching midget hockey there i would say there's no discernible difference from minor hockey to junior b anymore yeah. uh, there's bigger guys in around older guys like you're playing i don't know if it's just me or what but i i know coming up from midget into junior you're playing men with beards and they're all like junior b they're probably working a mechanics job or changing tires or whatever so they're all tough grouchy blue collar guys and then all of a sudden they kind of got more and more expensive to play and uh so lots of these tough blue collar guys just said fuck it right and uh it's it's kind of part of the past of the ki but uh yeah no in my in my time it was there every team had a guy usually um and uh there there was always talk i guess at least around the league of who who's doing who's gonna go who and bad yeah. blood and like that but yeah you know, it, it was good like for my time i i'm i'm glad i got out when i did and i'm glad i got in when i did too so yeah, like in terms of the fighting, like I've I've had lots of guests on, and, and I kind of just you know when I'm in and when it when did you um, I get I guess the when did you start becoming comfortable? Like I, I've always said, like some guys when they first start fighting, it's kind of like you know the the tears of rage thing, right? Like they're just ah yeah. like the spaz yeah, thing, and yeah. they, they black out and just whatever. When did it? Uh, kind of like, you know, did you start thinking about it? Did, did it ever, when you calm down, did it ever slow down for you? And it's like you could think through the fight? Or is it still sort of uh, blackout and swing for your life? <laughs> honestly, yeah, I know I, I totally get what you're saying there. And honestly, uh, I, back in the KI days when I was young and crazy, uh, it would be uh, blackout and swing like madness. <laughs> And I and I know I can. I like to say I've got a good chin on me and stuff like that. Maybe tough Alberta farm boy, but um, that's uh, it, it. It it. I never really got comfortable because I could. I still in my time in junior B could only get in three fights without getting a suspension. Then the fourth fight I'd get two games, and then the fifth fight I'd get three games, and then have any more fights after that. And, uh, you would have to, the league would review you and stuff like that. So it would, they were still too, so few and far between. I'd say it was probably my last year in the KI that I got at least a little comfortable to open my eyes and slow down in a fight. Yeah. And then, uh, and then in the HJ and now in senior, I've, I've noticed, uh, I've, I'd say, uh, an improvement in my abilities, uh, through, through, constant kind of use as well as maybe wisdom in old age yeah <laughs> but uh yeah no i've like i got this year i got in a couple of good fights and you can watch in my videos and stuff like that uh it's it's not so much like my whole aspect was like hit first and hit them hard um and then uh but now it's like i can grab and wrestle with them and try and pick a punch a little bit and when i'm when i am picking punches i notice i do a lot better because well i it, it, it's a it's a hard punch and if it and if it lands it's gonna it's gonna connect and i can make sure that i also don't get punched too many times either so yeah i'd say i'd say it's a combo of getting enough under my belt and maybe a yeah. little years of wisdom <laughs> yeah it's experience and uh yeah exactly did you, like did it, you- it, yeah 
No, I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I I get this. Lots of these guys that like ice wars and stuff, the, and the, just seeing the penalty minutes that they're putting up if they're thirty, thirty-five years old, it, it was just like it's unobtainable for a guy yeah. my age, really, just because you can't get that many majors per game. If they could get two two majors in a game, then they're dominating me, right? And so, well, that's the thing. Uh, like a guy like Curtis Swanson, when he played in the LNAH, he had seventy fights one year in one year. Yeah. Yeah, you know? no, it's it, like they're doing two a night. It's, it's crazy. I, I yeah. couldn't imagine what that guy's hands look like. <laughs> but, yeah. um, no, I, it's just the minutes really don't even come close. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, and that's why I've always found interesting just doing this show. Like, I, you know, you go from a, a Swanson or a Morasky or a McIntyre, and I've had them on, and, you know, they grew up in the you know 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and then to have a guy like you on that was like, you know, 2015, 16, 17, so a completely different generation. And like you said, hockey is completely different. The mindset of ho- around hockey is completely different at this point, even more oh. so now compared to when you were even playing junior, like you said, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's interesting as the interviews go, yeah, just how how things have changed and and the way it's w- the way it's looked at. But uh, w- so when you get to Okotoks there, because you're like, I'm out of here with this full cage business, so you head back to Alberta. Um, what what were the big differences in the leagues? Um, definitely the age, because in the KI, uh, you're only allowed five 20-year-old players. Mm-hmm. In the HJ, you were allowed as many 20-year-olds as you wanted, and then five 21-year-olds. And that was another good thing of kind of it all, it all played out well, because the cages came into factor, and then if I left my 20-year-old season, I would be able to play a 21-year-old season in Alberta. So I, that's more hockey for me because I, once junior was over for me, it's like, oh, here's fucking beer league. And I, I could never play beer league. And that's just why I'm in the ranch land now, which I love and God bless it. But, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, everything worked out well for me, but definitely. And I would have said too, that the HJ teams in Alberta would have dominated 99% of the BC junior teams off of size and kind of that old school mentality alone. I, I, I take a, um, a hard working grinded out team any day of the week over a skilled, uh, selfish team. Well, yeah. What's like, what's the old saying, right? Five plumbers will always beat five engineers. So it's exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah. Well, and it's, um, yeah, so I mean, you get to Okotoks now. Is the league now in terms of, uh, you know, it, like you said, it's half visor still. Was was there was the fighting rules still very similar to BC? Yeah, yeah, it was the same fighting rule. Um, there was just there was more fights than in BC. It, it, like it, the HJ was always known as kind of, and Alberta in general was always known compared to BC, in my time at least. I mean, the KI was the tough junior B league forever and ever. Um, but in my time, it was always the HJ was the, the go-to tough league. So I, I fit in right at home, actually. Yeah, I fell right into place, and I loved it. Yeah, like even like back in the, well, in, I thought it would be the 90s and stuff, even junior A, like the Alberta AJ and the SJ were always sort of like, you know, the blue collar, 
you yeah. know, and, oh. and BC was more like the, you know, whatever the scholarship league, right. Or the, yeah, you know, yeah that's always kind of what it was viewed at. Right. Like, so, I mean, both, all the leagues had obviously good players and tough players, but it was just, oh yeah, that's how it was viewed. Right. Yeah. In yeah. hockey terms and Manitoba as well, but yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just out West, right. You just get the, well, yeah, it's, it's just the it's, farmers, it's right. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's just like the farmer oil field kind of blue, blue yeah. collar mentality. All these people come from, it seems like, I mean, I might be biased, but it's going from place to place and getting to know people all over. It's like you're Alberta and Saskatchewan people minus Northern BC. Those are tough bastards up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like Dawson Creek and everything, it's, it's all tough guys. But, uh, the, the BC, uh, like the lower mainland, it's all very white collar kind of prim and proper compared to the SJ. And that's all. And, I'm saying like upbringing of these players as well is it, they got blue collar parents that are working and, uh, they, it, it's, it's just a different mentality everywhere. Right. So, yep. Yep. It and is. it's, and it, that doesn't apply to everybody. There's, there's, no, I mean, there's, there's I mean, no, not, nothing's absolute, but I mean, yeah. but, but no, that's a very good. Yeah. I mean, and it's not a slight to anybody. It's just, that's the way it is. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you, you, you saw it in tournaments in minor hockey, like the, be, like BC teams would try, come try and skate circles around a team from Lethbridge, and those boys are corn-fed strong from standing up in that wind, and they don't take it. So, uh, <laughs> yep. so I always got a kick. I always got a kick out of it, right? No, absolutely. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, like you say, you, you you wrap up your junior, and uh, you know, never mind beer league because they would probably be banned for life in beer league. So we're gonna go play some senior hockey. And for a lot of my listeners. Um, I think the senior hockey, um, you know, is in in some of the areas, in some of the leagues, it's like it's you know it's really strong, and there's a lot of a lot of good players, and like I said, a lot of ex junior players, ex pro players. I mean, I noticed nearly you had Kyle Sheen and guys like that, and I mean, so you had extra pro, you had pro players come back and you know come home or their work, especially in Alberta, they're working in the fields and rigging and all that, and so you yeah, can get some yeah. tough dudes in these senior leagues, man, and they don't mess around. And uh, uh, how wow. have you found the senior hockey? Uh, I probably the most fun I've had in hockey, um, like as an adult, at least like the KI was fun. Cause it's like, you don't really have a job. You're kind of living the billet lifestyle and things like that. But now all these, we're all old guys. We got careers and families and things like that, but it's still, uh, it's just, you, you, you can't lose that competitive edge. And, uh, like, the, these ex pro guys, WHL guys, it's 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 boys that still wanna yeah. play good hockey, and uh, I've I I'd honestly say it's become more exciting uh, than probably junior A. Uh, in my opinion, it's not it's definitely not as skilled overall. Like you get the you get the odd here and there skilled. Ex NHL or WHL guy, but uh, it's it's a lot more exciting because you well you get there's a wider range of skill abilities and uh, and you get a lot more physicality and the and it's a lot of guys that they want to be there because they love the game and they love being competitive and you know I the the senior hockey to me has been some of the most fun I've had in in the ranch land at least and I'd say it's one of the like it's all small town Alberta too. It's probably the best thing you can do in Natton on a Friday night is go watch the pals go beat up on somebody from Lethbridge, really. So, 
Yeah, I mean, and like you said, the the you know the small town rivalries, and I mean some of the you know, and there's a ton of senior leagues, and some that shit gets heated, man. And it's like oh, yeah. uh, you know, and like you said, the guys you're out there, and everyone's playing and competitive, and I mean, yeah, everyone's got to get up and go to work, but I mean, you know, nobody wants to lose and no one wants to look bad, so it's oh, like yeah. everyone's still got the athletic ego too. So it's like yeah, you know, and. uh so I know, uh, I know, uh, you know, tempers can flare for sure. And, um, I mean, granted, like anything else, I mean, senior hockey, you know, it used to be a real, real wild, but, um, <laughs> how, how is it in the Ranchland league in terms of fighting? It, 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 uh, you get crazy nights where they're, you're getting escorted by police home and yeah. there's police, there's police sitting in between, dressing rooms and stuff like that and then you get wild nights where or and then you get nights that it's uh very respectful and um <laughs> and it's old guys playing good competitive hockey but the, you might not see a fight or you might see 15 fights in one night in a line brawl so there's really no telling it's it's all depends on the rivalry and how close you are with the other team it seems yeah, how are they in terms of like like do they with the fighting? Are they pretty with the rules? What is it, how many fights you allowed before suspensions happen and all that stuff? Or is it just doesn't still, matter? I think it's I think it's we're allowed three fights. Like you get kicked out of a game if you get in a fight, which is kind of nice if you're hungover too or something yeah. like that. Got a long day ahead of you, so yeah. might need to get out of the game. I've used that a couple of times. That's uh, <laughs> that excuse and. Um, Either that or the third period's going to be 40. The third period might be an hour long, too. Exactly, yeah. So if you want to get out of there early or you got got an old lady at home, kid's sick maybe, I don't know, you got to get out of there. There's always, you can go fight. But, uh, no, you get kicked out of the game, and uh, I think it's three games before suspension. But we're all old, too, so, you know, getting suspended, it's like your parents aren't coming to the game yelling at you. Well, mine mine still does, at least my dad, but... If you if you get suspended, it's not doesn't seem to be the end of the world at least because it's usually kind of funny or something like that. It's pretty easy going. Like that's why it's fun, really. Well, it's uh, yeah. So you play for the Nanton Palominos, and uh, it's a six team league, the Ranch, uh, the Ranchland League. Uh, Who what who's your guys' big rival? Lethbridge and Siksika usually are the biggest rival, um, just because. Like we're Nanton's close enough to draw from uh, draw draw a lot of guys from Oaks Oaks and kind of Calgary and stuff like that. So you get it, you can get a really high end team. And same with Lethbridge, there's a lot of guys out there that have played good hockey. So and then then you're just getting into uh, what teams are closer to each other, and then you get the big rivalries. And same with Siksika, they get a lot of guys from Calgary and Strathmore that. Uh, and, and and from the Siksika reservation, they have a they have a, they have an awesome team. So uh, and we had we had a good season with both those ones this year. And I got to say, like we do have big rivalries, but there is like utmost respect as well for because each guy is playing just for the love of it. So it's 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 kind of nice to see you get tough guys, but they shake your hand and go, you'll see them at the bar after the game and something, and it's totally fine. So uh, yeah, it's been good for that. Excellent. Well, and I, well, I said before we got going, I was, I'm like, oh, I just got to check your elite prospects. I'm looking at your stats, and I'm kind of checking the the Palomino's roster, and 
I'm like, well, half of Ice Wars plays for the Palominos here. Like, we got Jordan <laughs> Kennedy, Taylor McNeil, Travis Check, and you. I mean, uh, well, if you guys are all in Ice Wars, I could imagine what you guys are like to play in the regular season. Is there any thought <laughs> of the little black thing rolling around out there, or is it just like we're going to bring the bring oh, the heat yeah, here? Yeah, I think we we did pretty good. Like, I, I've gotten to a point now that it's uh... – I've actually improved in some skill, so I, I find that I can play a little bit of hockey here and there. <laughs> but, uh, and I'd say that's the same. Like T- Taylor McNeil, very skilled. Travis puts the puck in the net. Jordan Kennedy, not so much. He's more of a he's a pretty brute guy out there, and just just out there for the he's he's a tough guy. But um, no, it's um, we, well, you uh, got, well, we put I, it this I, way: I, you guys I, aren't going to get pushed I, around. No, exactly. We do good in all aspects, I'd say, as as the Palominos as a whole. Like, there's other, there's some more really skilled guys and some other tough guys that didn't really want to do the whole ice wars thing or couldn't make it. Um, but th- these are definitely the guys that would sign up. I mean, and uh, it goes to show, like Travis and Taylor McNeil, they're teammates and really good buddies. But there's a really good chance they'll be fighting each other in the uh, this cruiserweight tournament. This trip. Uh, this ice war well yeah (laughs) yeah like when i had travis on we were talking about that yeah and there of course he's one of the eight in the cruiser in the cruiserweight tournament and like you said taylor mcneil their teammate in his first time he's in the cruiserweight tournament and we you know i said to travis i said you know you guys might run it you hey might be the luck of the draw you might get each other in the first round here there could be some (laughs) uh some tensions in the palomino locker room here we'll uh You yeah, know. well, it, uh, it, it, we'll see how it pans out. I really hope they don't get each other in the first round because the one guy goes home with less money. There's got to be a loser. Uh, yeah. B, <laughs> like the other guy will be so gassed because it'll be such a good fight. They're both two tough sons of bitches. So I, that they will probably diminish their chances in the next two rounds. So I was hoping it would go to the last if not the last round somehow if the pools can be set up maybe if aj's listening that they can be in, in different pools so that they can meet meet up with each other in the final because there's no really doubt like i mean i see I, these other guys they do look like tough competitors but just maybe i'm biased as well but T- taylor mcneil and trav are two of the toughest guys i've ever met in my life and uh, i wouldn't want to come across them on the ice as, as well so yeah <laughs> it'll well, be interesting yeah and the first one travis looked really good there against Bo. so it's it'll you know so we'll see but uh well in the first one like we said at the start um you were the referee um <laughs> how did you get t- like did, were you like did you want to go into it and they were just like we don't have a spot but can you ref is that what happened or how did this all that, that was pretty much exactly what happened i had i had thought on it thought on it jordan kennedy's talking with aj and he's like oh we need we need one more guy and i just said okay put me in put me down and then it just played out that there it was an odd number and uh it's just like well who has any refing experience and like i've refed a little bit of beer league and some bantam hockey <laughs> so like very very minimal wrestling experience but i have put on the stripes before and i was like oh fuck it like well i'll see what this is about and i'll go up and ref and get my money in my hotel room and i get to go watch all these guys beat up on each other and have a good time but uh after it all happened i just had this kind of gut feeling i was like i just hated wrestling <laughs> it was like i'm not meant for sitting on the sidelines and watching 
these gladiators go up against each other and that's like i i wanted a taste of the glory a little bit so i was like oh i got i gotta not i gotta be able to participate in the next one and and then i was like well if they want me to do the first fight and ref the next ones because it was tough they they needed a ref really bad too so that and that that's why i signed up again for the refing in the first one but uh now things have played out and people have heard what ice wars is about and there's a bit more notoriety going on so they've got refs now and stuff like that and uh yeah it played out for me as and i don't have to put on the stripes again and can maybe go get a bit of the glory and be out in front of the crowd which it just looks electric to me so oh yeah well and of course you're in one of the bouts here and you're taking on uh returning keegan mcgraw paddywhack and uh I mean, you got to see him obviously up close, and uh, you know, as the ref and stuff. Um, yeah, just uh, what was your overall takeaway from just from the, from the event itself, and uh, being right there while they're fighting? It was just, uh, you know, did it? Was it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess. What did it exceed your expectations? Like, was it better than you thought it was going to be? And it it was better than i thought it was gonna be like it was kind of surreal seeing all these like and they had the super heavyweights and they're absolutely mutants of humans like six eight three hundred pounds and massive so it was it was a bit surreal for me being in there and um it, it uh yeah i'd say it definitely exceeded my expectations i i skating on that stuff um i was i was nervous to see how it'd be when the guys locked up and started swinging because it's not like ice where you can cut in and hold your balance it's that hard plastic but it worked out well and these guys are they're they're making the most out of it and it looks great to me so i'd say that's one thing that definitely exceeded my expectations was how good everybody was going to be able to throw on this plat this artificial ice that they got and uh, it's worked out really well yeah, they, yeah, it really has, and uh, yeah, in terms of um, yeah, just uh, how how's your your preparation been going? And uh, I mean, I guess you obviously have a bunch of guys you could train with. Um, have has that been the have the Palominos all kind of been doing the training together, kind of thing? Yeah, uh, just about everybody. We all kind of live in south of Calgary, southeast of Calgary, and uh, so we we've been training at Legacy Boxing Club, and. Um, and I've been I've been going every day, and uh, like I've almost found a new love for a new sport with this training. I'd some another good thing about ice wars is it's gotten me really into boxing and everything about that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we've been training together. Taylor McNeil's been doing two days up in, in North Calgary, but just because he's too far away from this gym. But me and Jordan and Trav have been uh, have been working our asses off, and it's some of the hardest I've ever work but uh i feel great and i'm in definitely good shape i've been losing some beer belly a little bit as well which is good yeah no it's uh it's it's been pretty good i've been training my ass off yeah i'm ready to go well there we go um well man i won't keep you for too much longer i mean you know obviously you know you're getting ready i'm not going to ask you what your strategy or anything like that i won't do that but it was uh you know i appreciate you coming on and uh yeah I'm, i'm looking forward to uh to see in uh, Dallas Auto throw down at the uh, at the Ice Force too against Keegan McGraw and uh, I guess, well I guess we'll uh, we'll see you in Edmonton I'll have to, I'll buy you some beers after and uh, 
I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, on, yeah. I'll definitely be drinking some beers after. I've been laying off them, so uh, it'll be good to grab a couple with you. Well, that, yeah, that's kind of what talking to everybody. It was like, yeah, everybody is in training, so they're kind of all, you know, laying off. And I think as soon as the event's over, it's like, yeah, I can't get to the bar. I think there was a stampede to the bar last 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 event. So yeah. <laughs> It was pretty funny seeing all these guys that uh, at the last event and the and, and and I had a bit of FOMO as well, and it was, it was kind of sad because they had all batted the shit out of each other. One loss, whatever happened, they were all at the bar afterwards, typical hockey players, fucking drinking beers, having shots, having a good time. So that's that was maybe one of the biggest parts, parts of me hanging up the fucking refing outfit and, because I, I just love to be a part of that. It's a, it's a good... Uh, it's it's like a team and this this whole ice war crew with everybody's so respectful and it's a it's a good team atmosphere. I mean, you're fighting, but then there's a lot more to it and everybody's looking out for each other and AJ looks out for each, everyone, so it it's it's very fun and exciting. Yeah, no, it's uh yeah, and I I echo what you were saying with the first one. I mean, you know, my expectations weren't real high for it. I mean, it, it was kind of like, "Ah, well, we'll see," right? And and yeah. uh but the guys got in and I mean, they were I mean, they weren't, there was no Jersey jabs or nobody was fooling around. Like it was, they went for it and, you know, and it was like, you couldn't, I don't think any, but well, after it was all said and done, I mean, you had your critics of the event and everything else, but in terms of, I know everybody just being on social media and having been online all the time and reading the comments, I didn't see anybody, oh, these fights sucked or, you know, like no one was saying that. Everyone was like, holy shit, these guys are going for it, man. Like it was yeah, I mean, if you're a fight yeah, fan, I don't think you could complain about it. No, no, it was it was awesome because uh, there was no holding back. And, like, in the NHL, you see it all the time, these guys get in a so-called fight, uh, but they go and grab each other and fucking not one punch is landed, and they're just... They're just looking for looking out for themselves because, yes, they are million dollar assets. But you don't just see these guys like you. You will see when things get heated in the NHL, somebody just they'll just both drop the gloves and swing because that's the tears of rage, as you said. But um, I think it was awesome because everybody had kind of there's a agreement maybe that wasn't talked about, but it was just like, well, everybody's going to swing and fucking leave an impression for this because this is the first ice wars and AJ's looked after everybody and it's just like let's let's give these people a show and I, I don't know if you could hear me the the other ref and I but we were mic'd up and uh in the first event and it was they were, they told us it's like if they do get clinched up you gotta you gotta kind of feed them feed the fire a little bit and say like give these people a show come on like start swinging start swinging and it's uh it's it's definitely uh it's, it's crazy. It is just what, what happened and what came out of that first event and just how everything went. I, I don't think it could have gone better. Every fight seemed like there was something, some big, some big punches landed and thrown and guys were eating punches and stuff. So, you know, it was, it was awesome to see. No, absolutely. Well, we're, uh, August 6th, folks, we're, uh, we'll be seeing it again. And, and Dallas is going to be in the middle of it. And, uh, I look, I look forward to seeing it. And, uh, like I said, I, I appreciate you taking the time today to come on and talk about it, and uh, good luck to you. Oh, thanks for the call, Darren. Had a good time. Excellent. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We'll see you in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah I'll see you there.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 